as you're saying those words this morning, Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we understand the weight of those words? Do we understand what we are asking of God? I pray that we do, and I pray that we sing them even louder, even deeper from our hearts. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. What a blessing it is to serve the one true God. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14, if you would turn there with me this morning or flip there on your phones, however you get there. We're in Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14. The author says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us stand with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, this morning, it is all about Jesus. That's what the Bible's about. That's what Hebrews is about. That's what life is about. It's about Jesus. Jesus saves us from eternal torment. But Jesus not only saves us from eternal torment, he brings us eternal life. That's the flip side of eternal torment, is eternal life. And he not only gives us eternal life, he gives us a personal relationship with him. He's not a God that saves us and just says, go on your merry way. He's there with us. When we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we inherit a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Coming in to a living relationship with Jesus is the greatest experience a person can have. A great, the greatest experience we as human beings can have. Anything we can think of in this life that would bring us pleasure, that would bring, bring us satisfaction, doesn't even have a hint of the satisfaction that we receive in that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So we have reason to receive Jesus Christ and to enter into God's rest, not only because of God's wrath, but also because of his grace. Not only because he is a judge, but because he is also the great high priest. What does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is the great high priest? Not a priest, not a high priest, but the great high priest. We're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at his position, meaning his priesthood, his perfection, and the power available to us through it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. We thank you for this text. We thank you for this truth. We thank you for our great high priest, Father. May your spirit guide us this morning as we truly seek to understand 
what that means to us, Father, today and for eternity, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First, as I said, we look at his position. Verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Jesus is, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, a great high priest. First, we need to understand what is a high priest. If he's the great high priest, what is a high priest? Well, before we understand that, we need to understand what a priest was. The priests of ancient Israel were appointed by God to be mediators between himself and his people. Over all these priests was a high priest. Only the high priest could offer the highest sacrifice under the law. And that he did only once a year, on the Day of Atonement, also known as Yom Kippur. All the sins of the people were symbolically brought to the Holy of Holies, where blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat as a sacrifice to atone for them. He, the high priest, represented God before the people and the people before God. But before the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies, he had to make an offering, an offering for himself. He, too, was a sinner. His time in the Holy of Holies was limited. He was, he was allowed to stay in the presence of the holiness of God only while he was making the sacrifice. His man-based purification would only last so long. It was temporary. And if he was caught in there without that purification, he would die instantly. John MacArthur, in his commentary, paints a beautiful parallel of this high priest and the great high priest. You see, to enter the Holy of Holies... The priest had to pass through three areas in the tabernacle or the temple, whichever it was. He took the blood and went through the door into the outer court, through another door into what was called the holy place, and then through the veil into the holy of holies. He did not sit down or delay. As soon as he made the sacrifice, he left and didn't return for another whole year. Every year, another Yom Kippur was necessary. Between these yearly sacrifices, every day, day after day, thousands of other sacrifices of produce and of animals were made, administered by the priests, all of the many priests. The process was never ended never completed as they performed it because the priesthood and the sacrifices were not perfect. Jesus, our great high priest, as the writer of Hebrews calls him, after he had made the one-time perfect sacrifice on the cross, also passed through three areas, as MacArthur lays out in his, in his analogy. It says, when he passed through the heavens... He went through the first heaven, 
Earth's atmosphere, the second heaven, outer space, and then into the third heaven, described by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 2. Paul wrote, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Jesus went to where God himself dwelt. This is the holiest of all holies. But once Jesus was there, he didn't have to leave. His sacrifice was made once for all time. The sacrifice was perfect. And the high priest was perfect. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down at the right hand of God. He didn't have to turn and run. He sat down at the right hand of God. John 17, starting in verse 4, and this is Jesus' prayer. He says, I glorified you on earth, Father, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He had made the perfect atonement for sin. He had been seated in the holiest of all holies next to God and stepped out of it to come down to earth to take on our sin. And then he went back to that seat. The purpose for which he had come to earth was fulfilled. And when he entered heaven and presented himself in the holiest of all holy places, the work was done. And as a result... There was no more need for the earthly sacrifices in the temple. And through the destruction of the temple by the Romans, the only earthly place that these sacrifices could be made, God in his sovereignty stopped them in practice. When Jesus died, when he was crucified, the instant he was crucified, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies was torn. The Holy of Holies no longer existed at that point. It was not the place to go for sacrifice. Yet I'm sure God knew that the Jews would find some way to continue to sacrifice there, and and they did. It went a little while before God, in his sovereignty, had the Romans come in and destroy that temple. And with the end of that practice came the end of the need for the Jewish Jewish priesthood. If the temple had not been destroyed, the Jews would have continued the priesthood. They would have continued the sacrifices. And since they were no no longer necessary, God removed the means. 
and it ceased to function. No Christian priesthood was established by Christ or the apostles. After Christ's life, death, and resurrection, there was no substitution of priesthood on earth put in place. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Peter wrote, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, not through an earthly altar, not through earthly priests, but directly to God through the provision of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, <coughs> a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We believers are now a type of priests, every one of us as believers, in that we are to bring God to other people through preaching and teaching his word and by witnessing of his mercies in our lives, by giving our testimonies. We are a priesthood of all believers. Jesus changed that. When Jesus died, as I said, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, access to God was given to all who would believe. Not some, not a few, but all who would believe. And by faith in Jesus Christ, any person can now enter into the presence of of the Creator God. This was made possible by one main reality of who Jesus was when he walked this earth. Verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. At the end of verse 14, our great high priest is identified by his human name, Jesus, and his divine title, the Son of God. These two realities are also displayed in verse 15. Jesus was the very Son of God, yet his deity, his godness, if you would, did not prevent him from fully experiencing our feelings our emotions, our temptations, our pain. God became man to triumphantly share our temptation, our testing, and our suffering in order that he might be a sympathetic and understanding great high priest. When we are struggling, we naturally want to share our strugglings and our feelings with someone who has had a similar struggle with us. We are drawn to people who have similar earthly struggles. We tend to think they can understand a little more. They may understand our, what we're saying or what we're feeling a little more. God put that desire within us 
to walk with each other, to share with each other, to carry each other's burdens. It is a good and a helpful desire within the church body. It's why we have ministries like Grief Share that's starting this week. Opportunities to grow together, to learn together, to support each other. Jesus can sympathize with our every weakness. Every weakness. Our great high priest not only is perfectly merciful and grateful, but also perfectly understanding. He, like no one else, has the ability to sympathize with us. In every danger, in every trial, in every situation that comes our way, because he has been through it all himself. At the tomb of Lazarus, his body shook in grief. In the garden of Gethsemane, just before his arrest, he sweat drops of blood. He experienced every type of temptation and testing, every type. Maybe not our specific detailed circumstances, definitely not. But he experienced every type. Every kind of circumstance that we will ever face. And he is at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for us. Jesus took the full extent of all that Satan could throw at him. He had no way out. He was sinless. So he could not sin to avoid temptation, to try to get out from under it. He had no cowardice. He had no weakness. He stood and took the full brunt of it. He was the Savior, so no one could save him. As kids, have you ever played, and maybe as adults, have you ever played a game of mercy? You lock hands with someone else similar to this. The idea is to bend the other people's finger back until they do what? They cry mercy, right? Kids, if you've never tried that game before, I'm sorry I introduced it to you this morning. But the idea is to get the other person to cry mercy, to inflict pain, to inflict trials on them until they cry mercy and ask you to stop. Jesus couldn't cry mercy. Jesus wouldn't cry mercy. And since he never gave in, he experienced every temptation to the full. If you would parallel his struggle with Satan to the game of mercy, he allowed the enemy to bend his fingers all the way back. He took the full weight of the sin of billions of people upon him and never cried mercy. Now, ultimately, praise God, he wins the game of mercy. Satan will be crushed. Satan will lose. 
But Christ temporarily, in immense, indescribable humility, took the full brunt of Satan's wiles and temptation and never faltered. And he didn't only experience this as God, he experienced this as a man. He was Christ, he was God incarnate. As a human being, in every way, he was tempted as we are and more. The only difference was he never sinned. After facing that intense temptation, persecution, physical pain, he never sinned. And for that reason, when we come to Jesus, we can remember that he knows everything that we know and infinitely more about temptation, testing, and pain. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He has seen it all. Weaknesses is not referring directly to sin. It is referring to the limitations of our flesh, which includes our ability to sin. In his humanity, Jesus fully experienced the pull of human nature towards sin. He faced and fought sin and won. But not without the most intense temptation imaginable. Grief and anguish. And again, he did it without sin. Not even a hint of sin. Well, how can Jesus understand sin if he never experienced it? How can he understand sin if he never gave in to temptation? Well, Jesus is that kid, if you will, that you never had to tell that the stove was hot. He knew it was hot and he never touched it. He saw, he knew the destructiveness of sin. And he never participated in it. And in his deity, he knew that he could have nothing to do with it. Again, he knew that he had no Savior. He knew that he was the Savior. He knew the destructiveness of sin. He knew that if he gave in to sin, if he failed, all humanity was doomed. If you want to talk to someone who knows what sin is about, talk to Jesus. You want to know how to talk to Jesus? We just spent a whole summer on prayer. He's listening. He's there. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows the intensity of your struggles. He defeated it. He knows sin. And he has fully experienced our weaknesses in the face of it. We have a sympathetic high priest whose priesthood is perfect and whose person is perfect. And because of that, we are called to a higher standard as believers. 
First Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance before you were saved. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. How do we do that? How do we be holy because Christ is holy? How do we stand to temptation? How do we stand to the pains, the trials, the struggles of this life? How do we do that? Where do we get that power? Verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The one who understands us perfectly will also provide for us perfectly. He gives us power. The power is there for the taking. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. A very familiar verse. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Jesus Christ knows our temptations and will lead us out of them. In our sinfulness, we deserve death. We need salvation, the gift of grace. It is to the throne of his grace that a person can now come with confidence. I invite you this morning. I invite you every day. I invite you with every breath you take. Come to God's throne of grace. Any repentant person, no matter how sinful, no matter how undeserving, may approach God's throne at any time for forgiveness and salvation, confident that they will be received with mercy and grace by Jesus, sacrificing himself for those who trust in him. God's throne of judgment is turned into a throne of grace as the Jewish high priests, once a year for centuries, had sprinkled sprinkled blood on the mercy seat for sins. Jesus shed his blood once and for all for the sins of everyone who believes in him. What an incredible high priest we have. What an awesome high priest we have. He sympathizes and he saves. What more could we ask? What more could he provide? He has provided everything. I pray that you know that salvation. I pray that you have realized the reality of the blessing of our great high priest. I pray that you're walking in that freedom and that power and that glory this morning. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we praise you. We praise you for your provisions. We praise you, God, that you sent our great high priest, 
who was sitting at your right hand, you sent him down to earth to face immense temptation, immense persecution, immense trials. And and in humility and great grace, he faced them perfectly in his sinlessness. God, we thank you that he has defeated the enemy, that he took all of our sins to the cross. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to you repentant, claiming that truth, claiming that gift. May each one here this morning claim that gift, Father. May we realize the power that is from you to walk in obedience. May we realize the rest that is in you to walk in obedience. May we realize the provision you have made in the perfection of your Son to bring that perfection into humanity and face the same temptations to the nth degree that we face individually. God, may we walk in that power. May we walk in that reality today and every day and in every breath that we take, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.